This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Cheap and good. So we like. Cheap and good. Yeah. Both for uh, lunch and for units of Legion. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornbos, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Welcome back to Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm here uh, with uh, Mike and David. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? Good. Uh, so I'm burning gonna... up. I'm burning, burning up, up here in California. It's hot. It's 103. <laughs> Air conditioner barely keeping there? up. <laughs> yeah, there's a flame trooper who's uh, you know sitting outside my outside my window with an infinite supply of fuel uh, called the sun. <laughs> um, me and Mr. Sun, we don't get along. We'll just mm. say that much. Mm. All right, but yeah, we're we're burning up out here. It's horrible. It's, it's pretty nice here. It's uh, partly cloudy, seventies. It's just gross here, Kyle. So, don't. I'm so jealous. It's, so <laughs> it's been raining here for like the past in that's, eternity. That's true. It's been raining for like forty-eight hours. You're right. Um, <sighs> My daughter loves to splash in puddles. It's obnoxious. It's impossible to get her inside in the rain. Um, the small joys. Remember when you were entertained just by splashing in puddles. Now we need a game like Star Wars Legion to keep us occupied. I know, right? Uh, speaking of Legion, we're going to talk about a couple things today. Uh, we said last week we were going to talk about list building, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, we are going to uh, talk about the X-34 land speeder. And uh, we're also going to talk about uh, basically knowing when the status quo favors you and when it doesn't, and also more specifically playing as rebels. Because there have been a lot of uh, rando advice bits thrown around out there about playing as rebels that um, I think are often oversimplified into bad advice. So. Um, and we're also going to plug Northeast Open again. So that is on July 6th and 7th. It's in Syracuse, the Salt City. Uh, go sign up. Yeah. Be a good time. It should be. You know it'll be the Salt City because I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the rest of the scoundrels. It doesn't need any more salt, let me tell you. <laughs> hey, I'm excited. I'm excited about those salt potatoes you keep talking about. I mean, the salt potatoes are great, but there's so much salt there, generally speaking, it rotted out the underside of my car. Whoa. I think do you actually... What's up? Do you need to, like, even salt the roads in winter? I mean, they salt the roads profusely in winter. <laughs> <laughs> and there was so much salt, it just, like, kicks up into your, uh, you know, I don't know what they call... I'm sure there's, like, a professional automotive word. Undercarriage? For it, but... Yeah, undercarriage or whatever, and it just straight up rotted out in my old car. It was great. I brought it into the mechanic, and he was like, yeah, this is going to be $5,000 to replace. And I was like, I bought this thing for $35,000. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how about no? <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. You know, it was Brutal. a joke. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of salt. We don't need it anymore. <laughs> All right. They're going to be waiting for me at the airport to make me turn around and back on the plane. <laughs> uh, Mr. Zelenka, I'm sorry. Uh, we've reached yeah. our salt capacity. <laughs> right, we're at quota. 
I'm gonna have to ask you to get back on the plane and head back to California. Uh, all right. So, uh, any other housekeeping? I think that's it. Uh, well, oh, yeah. if you're in okay. Cali- speaking yeah. California, if you're in the if you're in the Bay Area or its environs, like within a hundred to two hundred miles, uh, come to Fairfield, California, where I'm going to be part of the Rally Point qualifier going on there on June fifteenth. It's Father's Day weekend, so come on out and and spend some time with us in Fairfield playing Legion. Um, get your worlds invite. Come on out and play. How far is how far is that from you? Uh, fair- uh, I live in ah, Fairfield, okay. so I'm so like you're... right there. It's about ten minutes from me. So you're like you're telling everybody else. You're like, yo, drive two hundred miles, man. It'll be <laughs> well. I, I'm, hey, man, I've 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 done my fair share of traveling for tournaments. Yeah, okay, so I think it's about time that people came to me for once. Are, are you uh, are you competing <laughs> in this RPQ? I am. I am. I, I I suckered my friend into running it, so I get to awesome. compete now. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be talking so about it on uh, next week. I hope so too. It should be a good one. All the people that ran KublaCon with me are going to go ahead and and take part in creating this event as cool. well. So it will hopefully be approaching the quality of KublaCon. Oh. That's yep. this Saturday. Man, I look at all these dates and stuff, and I'm just like, well, this year's flying by. Yeah, no kidding. People are. Yeah. It's already people today months, were asking, so. they were like, when is Worlds? I'm like, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next Saturday. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of pain to do. Uh, all right. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's just say that I won't be paying yeah. faces. <laughs> yeah um okay uh that could mean a variety of things just so i'm aware of that <laughs> <laughs> it's intentionally ambiguous okay. um all right so let's talk about list building sweet all right all right so we talked a while we had like an entire episode on this uh way back in episode 16 um so and we're on what thirty six now? Uh, yeah, so liter- literally, yeah, literally 36. twenty episodes ago. Um, so uh, I think most of the core advice in that episode still applies. Um, we talked very generally about uh, you know, like deciding what you want your focus of your list to be, um, and then like supporting that focus. Um, you know, building out the rest of your list. Uh, we talked about upgrades, you know, which upgrades to take, how to think about taking upgrades, and also, um, you know, like your activation count. So we went through all that in that episode. Um, I think it's very, still very much applicable uh, today. So go back and listen to that if you want like a full list building primer. Um, but today we're going to talk a little bit more about innovating with list building. Um, so one thing, and I think that we stressed this uh, also in our episode 16, but um, you know, the most important thing with the list is that you're comfortable with it. Uh, you should not just copy a list that you see on the internet. I know that I put out a lot of those, uh, like here are the top lists from a given event articles. Um, you know, I'm not saying don't play those, but if you do, don't like put it together having never played it before and show up to a tournament uh, expecting to do well. Um, you know, if you want to emulate some of those things, do it weeks in advance of whatever event you're planning for and put it on the table and see if you like it yourself because you may not. So, um, 
you know, that's one big uh, sort of qualifier for that sort of thing. Um, and we want to talk about innovating generally, uh, you know, because I, I feel like I feel like there are a lot of unexplored um, possibilities. Um, you know, it's been what two months now since we've had a release. Um, uh, ish, ish, ish. Yeah. So you know, this leads obviously when you have uh, a bunch of not releases, it, it sort of limits what you can talk about. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that uh, people can't figure out new things. You know, look at what um, we've already talked about, Daniel Lupo, and how he brought saboteurs to um, the last chance qualifier Adepticon and uh, earned an invite to High Command with him, and then at High Command earned an invite to Worlds with him. So, and he uh, he surprised a lot of people with how good he was with them. Um, I think Sabs were a unit that had previously been kind of written off by a lot of people. So. Um, you know, he was not surprised by how good they were because he'd been playing them a lot, but he certainly surprised a lot of other people. So um, I think that there are probably still some unexplored things like that floating around. Um, and you shouldn't be afraid to try them. Do you guys have anything uh, in particular on that topic? Uh, I think there's just a lot of space um, in, in Legion right now to do stuff like that. You know, um, there's a lot of vehicles that maybe don't get used as much as they should um i mean generally speaking in you know we we talk about things like metas where you know generally when we're talking about the game we kind of got this predefined space that we're working within right um but you know there's there's definitely some opportunity you know with comms relation shenanigans you know and we I haven't seen anybody put like an HQ uplink in a trooper squad yet. Like that's the thing you could do to like mess with some stuff. Um, you know, you could be putting comms relay HQ uplinks in your stormtroopers or snow trooper squads to like get extra um, new ways to motivate them activations and stuff. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that's just face up order tokens. It's not if Darth Vader issues the order. Yep, that's right. <clears throat> Um, and there's just a lot, there's a lot of stuff like that that I don't think people have played around so, with. Time. So backtracking from there just a little bit, right? Um, Kyle, you talked about the predefined space, and and Mikey did too. So this, we have like this predefined space, right, which we call the meta. So there's like some fundamental assumptions, right, about list building, which is sort of like, well, you know, three snipers is it, or whatever, yeah. or Luke is it, or whatever. Um, and what we're, I guess, looking for when we innovate is we're, we're just sort of looking through all the cards in the game and, you know, maybe just juxtaposing some cards together. For example, like you mentioned, um, HQ uplink and comms text with snow troopers, right? And you're sort of looking through these cards, uh, trying to say to yourself, well, what, what are some things I could do with these? cards that might help me break out of the mold of you know whatever the meta is and and if i look at the meta what do i notice about the meta that um it's not equipped to deal with or prepared to deal with if i took some list to an event um i think you mentioned vehicles right a lot of people don't really expect vehicles to exist frankly in a tournament and 
you know, lo and behold, what happens when you show up with a vehicle heavy list and they're just not ready for you? Um, you know, you're gonna you're you're gonna get a win that's you know easier than you might have expected out of that game, right? And so I think that's partially what we're doing with innovation is we're saying what are some card combinations, what are some game situations, what are some tactics that arise from these cards that haven't been looked at yet or have not been commonly seen? And what if we just went out on a limb and instead of, um, you know, taking the shortcut, which is the meta, so to speak, we took a look at these less traveled roads and figured out what to do with them. And medics are, you know, we've talked previously about medics. Um, they're sort of another example of this, you know, how, how long were medics out before Adepticon? Um, and only one of the ultimate, uh, like world's qualifiers had any in their list. And that was Lupo himself. That was um, awesome. Yeah. Lupo. So, and, and, and even after Adepticon for a while, like people still weren't playing them. Right, and then suddenly people started throwing him in Invader League for sniper strike teams and for death troopers, um, you know. And suddenly everybody's like, "Oh, you sh you, you probably should have at least one medic in your list." Um, and I think I think that's also true for rebels. Uh, I've been running one medic in all my rebel lists, um, if not two, uh, basically since uh, you know since Adepticon, and I, I don't think I can go back. Um, so that's. That's an so, example of something that was an option, you know, since what, January? Um, and, yeah. you know, now it's something that's clearly competitive, but uh, nobody thought to explore it, or at least nobody made a splash with it until late March. So, um, you know. So it took one skillful player with enough enterprise and enough drive to take these um, previously, you know, low status, I guess, upgrades and, you know, go into the lab, for lack of a better term, go into the laboratory, play the combination that he saw and play it until he got extremely good with it and could beat other people near or above his skill level. And it, and then he went and got a couple of big results with it, and it caused a fundamental shift in the way the game is now played. Yeah. I, so kind of taking a little bit from Magic here, um, a lot of, like... So for, like, professional Magic, when you're, like, testing new decks and, like, new things that are innovative, um, they generally create something that they call the gauntlet. Um, and the gauntlet is essentially all of the air quote meta decks that um you would need to be able to deal with um and i think that that's a good litmus test for you know whenever you bring something in that's new or innovative you know you need to you need to also make sure that it can hit the litmus tests of being able to deal with the current meta otherwise it's not going to pan out very well for you but right like if you're if you're trying to innovate you know, one of the first things you should probably test that idea against is course course ban with three snipers. Right. You know, yeah. If if you can't deal with that, then chances are whatever you're innovating is not working. And it's and it's possible that you know um, 
you just didn't figure it out yet, right? Like, you took ATRT flamers, but didn't think to put HQ uplinks on them or or, some, or something like that, you know? Um, and small adjustments like that can really, you know, make or break a list and whether or not it works in certain situations. Yep. Built into that also is the willingness to lose repeatedly because that's kind of what it yeah. takes ultimately to figure out if an idea is worthwhile or not. I think that that's actually a really interesting thing about this game. Um, and uh, I actually, Screwtape was talking about a little bit on the Discord um, a while ago in that like innovating like one thing takes like 20 hours to really do even like marginally right, right? Like you really need to be able to get like eight to 10 good games in with a certain, trying to do like a certain thing to figure out if it's potentially good or not. Um, and that's a lot of time to invest in something that you're not sure could work. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's easy for us to say to do this, but most people can't play three games a week. <laughs> right, you know, and, and like even if, even if you're playing three games a week, like you're still looking at, you know, you're going to have to do that a couple weeks in a row before you're not even sure if this is going to be a thing that works out for you or not. Um, yeah. I only manage one game. Yeah. Week, you know, I mean, I think yeah. that most people are in that boat. Right. I would, I would imagine your average Legion player probably averages maybe like once every two weeks or something like that. Um, that's likely. Yes. But you know, it's just, it, there's a big time sink into it. And I think that that's why people also gravitate towards the, the meta list because you know, it's easy and it's accepted and you don't have to spend 30 hours figuring out if it works or not. Right. It's a template that someone else has uh, already demonstrated is successful. So yeah. it doesn't, I can think of something Yoda said here. <laughs> if you take the quick and easy path, you'll become an agent <laughs> of evil. <laughs> That's very, very much, very much applicable to the situation <laughs> that we find ourselves Amen. in. It's good oh, to be a uh, Sith Lord, you know? I, I suppose, man. Darth Vader is still good. You heard it here first. Yeah, what's the what's the master? Is the dark side stronger? Stronger? No, easier. Yes. But not stronger. Easier, yes. more seductive. Yes. <laughs> Super yeah. applicable. Um, speaking of vehicles, uh, so I actually briefly want to hit the tank real quick before we get the X-34 because um, you just peaked something in my brain. Um, uh, as like unexplored, this was again popping around the Discord today. Which, by the way, um, if you're not in the Discord, uh, it's a great place to talk about Legion. And um, in my experience, it's it's uh, I think it's actually the most positive forum for it, uh, more so than Facebook and the FFG forums. Um, so yeah, if you're not in there, come in there. We're hanging out um, and talking about Legion. So um, anyway, uh, tank discussion was popping around the Discord today. Um, and uh, I think I actually agree with um, some comments uh, the infamous Hofburger made, uh, the burger, um, which is basically that the, you know, the budget tank, um, like the bare bones one with just the aim pilot is a little bit unexplored. Um, you know, run it with Astromex. Those things are only, what, nine points for Empire. Um, and uh, just shove it in your opponent's face. See what happens. Uh, so it's So it's... Just the tank and our just the tank, just the tank and our Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, one sixty. Yeah. 
That's pretty um, good, actually. So I will say it. that somebody, um, this was actually in our Huzzah RBQ uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, somebody used that against uh, me. Um, and I did find that it was definitely easier to kill because, you know, it was easier to get flanking shots. Um, and I also was able to get Luke up in there. Um, because you know that thing has to get basically within range too for its uh, full dice pool. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so it's definitely easier to kill, but it's also much lower points investment than most other vehicles that are also that are that tough. So. Um. Yeah. Give that a shot. But I know we're I know we have a lot more to say about the X thirty four, but I wanted to briefly um. You know that was bouncing around today. So. Ideas yeah. There you go. Um. Plant yep. the seeds here. That's good. <laughs> Plant the seeds. All right. So let's talk about the X34. Yeah. Let's talk about so this thing. This is kind of uh, your, so, your this is kind of your yeah, baby. You wanna you wanna take it away? Uh, man, it's it's bad because I've been neglecting it. I haven't played it since uh crit <laughs> 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 yeah. I actually haven't played I, I haven't put it on the table You're since that. Permanently scarred actually. by that experience. I, I think so. <laughs> so that's a great way to discuss why you should play this thing, right? Any, anyway, um, yeah, so I wrote like a ton of articles on, on Yavin Base about um, the X34 and how, how to play it, essentially. Um, where to start? So I guess we should start with the T47. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. It's, it's, the, it's, the other, it's the other heavy... It's pre overcost. <laughs> the X thirty four is not the not that way. The upgrades are a little bit overcost, but the chassis is 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 correct. It's seventy five, and once you stack a bunch of upgrades on it, it can do pretty good damage for about one hundred and fifty ish points. Um, I think the there's two like there's two builds where you get the best combination of of damage and points and value for points. I think those builds are, there's the budget build, which is just the blaster and the gunner for 138 and the cover pilot. Of course, you should always take the cover pilot unless you have a very, very specific reason to take Ryder, which is the slow pilot. I call it the slow <laughs> pilot because no one ever really uses it. No one ever really uses it to, to bump it up to three, although you could. Um, but, uh, you take the cover pilot, you take the Mark II. That's kind of like the fundamental thing. Um, the Rodian sometimes is redundant, but if you're not taking the rocket crew, you should probably take the Rodian crew because that gives you a little bit of extra punch at range three. Um, yeah, so 155 for the heavy, for the, or for the rocket and the Mark II. Pretty good, man. It's like five average hits. It's it's dope. It That's actually the, does uh, hurt. Range three version. Right? Um, yeah, that's the range three version plus the rocket launcher plus the. What's, what's that? What's that come to, like in points? That's actually one six. That's actually one sixty four. Okay. Not terrible. Sorry. With the cover, with yeah. the cover pilot, so not terrible. But we're talking like entering, entering Luke territory. Yeah. For costs. Um. So I guess that's a great a great thing. You know why why would I take this over Luke? Right. Well, the the two big things. One, it's really cheap to heal. Because astromechs are only eight points for the rebels, and that's really really good. Um, plus, it projects force at range three, unlike Luke, which projects force at like you know 
melee essentially because <laughs> um, Luke's Luke's best weapon well, is his I mean, lightsaber. His, his force projection is really like range two, right? I mean, yeah, because of charge. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because of charge and force push, yeah. You can drag things in with you with force push. Um, the the other reason is that it has really good static defense. I think for a heavy, it's got cover too and has some armor. It's not like the armor with no cap, but it's still you know pretty good. And and uh, why would you take it now? I think the best thing is that death troopers don't really have access to crits. Um, they don't surge crit, and they produce a lot of hits really easily. They don't produce crits that easily. Um, and if you only have to make one save, if they only produce the crit from the DLT, then you heal it with your astromech, and you're like, fantastic. That was a death trooper shot that didn't hit my rubble yeah, troopers. I mean, it's essentially got cover four against yeah. things that have low impact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's very defensible. Yeah, you're... Um, oh, I was just going to go say, ahead. the death troopers are a great example, because they have... Only what seven dice? It's very high quality dice yeah. with the rerolls, um, but you know it's still just seven dice, which is going to generate less crits than something like a Z six. Um, so you know if you're if you're straight crit fishing, uh, it's going to be good against things with low dice with low count dice pools, even if those dice pools are high quality. Yeah, it also saves better than an ATRT. It has defense. <laughs> I mean, surge. that's not a high yeah. bar. It's not yet. I mean that's right. not a high bar, but well, for rebel heavies, like that's at least in sure, line with sure. the other stuff. Yeah, it's literally you know, it's literally twice as uh, twice as likely to save as the ATRT. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. <laughs> 150 um, points better. It can transport here. It can transport heroes. Um, I've used this to some success, and I've I've heard some other people using it with success. Uh, with Han mainly, um, Han I think of all the heroes needs the most positional help because of his lack of a charge keyword. Um, relentless so I got thinking about this today. Sure, Chewbacca. Um, yes, he, he certainly cares the least about like the auto wounds that potentially get pushed through while he's riding. In so it. there's that, and like he's actually like pretty decent at melee. They also updated the rules about transported units, and now Chewie can guardian while he's inside the land speeder, because they added a line of sight uh, bullet, because it just says use the vehicle for line. Now, of does sight. that effectively increase your guardian range to the by the the width of the base of the land speeder? Correct, correct, it does. That's interesting, because when you measure range, you use the base right. of the land speeder, so it does increase your aura, but it only works for Chewie. It doesn't work for a steam leader. Um, esteemed leader, you can't declare a defender. Ah, sure. Right, because esteemed, yeah. yeah. You don't get to use right, esteemed leader. Right, because the rider is not the yeah. defender. Yeah. Correct. So there's, there's, you cannot declare Leia as the defender. But it, the land speeder Well, is the but defender. in theory, so it's also the reverse, right? Because Chewie's the one taking the wounds via Guardian uh, in that instance. It, the esteemed leader parallel would be like if Leia was standing next to the speeder, there was a single rebel trooper unit leader inside the speeder and you steam leader to him yeah. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's not possible. No, no I think you can totally do that. that. Oh, no. Yeah. No, actually, no, you can do that. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah okay. No, that's that's correct. If there was a single, yeah. a single 
trooper and unit leader. I don't know why you'd want to do that. Well, but you could. <laughs> I mean, it's worth yeah, noting why. That if you have a unit trooper leader that you really can't like get out of LOS, giving him cover four as a defense is not horrible in order to preserve an activation. Yeah. Yeah, and as we talked about last week, preserving single unit leaders is super important for a variety of reasons. Yeah. I think so. that's super narrow, but yeah, for uh, sure, could come up. Yeah, you if you're putting anything Definitely. in it, it's going to be yeah. characters for the most part. Uh, what else? So transport is good for heroes that don't have keywords like charge or steady. Um, I wouldn't recommend putting Sabine or Jin in it because they don't play nice with transport um the other thing is that you cannot embark while you have a box so that is just a non-starter it's specifically outlawed in the rules that you can't uh, board a transport while carrying a crate to recover the supplies that's a bummer because that feels super thematic yeah like if Jin infiltrated somewhere and then you could hop into a hop into the transport with the box in tow. That would be just really cool and thematic, but I think it's just too it's just too ridiculous. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's too fast. Yeah. I mean that also means you'd be able to grab a box and hop in the tank. Also, yeah, exactly. Also true. And then you never lose it. <laughs> yeah. Then they have to blow up the tank to even right. get to the box. Yeah. So you don't even have to go anywhere really. You just sit there. Right. It's probably exactly. a good balance choice. Just, you know, would have been fun. Yeah. yeah. Much in the same way that, that uh Luke, you know, not being able to charge off a disembark unless he's got an action in the tank, you know. Or an action you stored up. So so how do you so how are you running this thing like in practice? Both what list are you running it as a part of, and then what do you do with it once it's on the table? I run it currently. The way that I run it is as part of like a Leia spam list. So I run Leia, six Zs, uh, one officer, two astromechs, three snipers, and the land speeder is like my heavy fighting vehicle type thing. Um, it's basically running the land speeder in place of Luke in exchange for some more courage to units, some more inspire and the ability to repair the thing and to have armor in my list. Um, that was pretty effective. Uh, it fought Nima's land speeder list at the RPQ in Sacramento. Um, that was pretty sweet. Actually, we, he ran Luke Leia six Z's or not six Z's, but he ran Luke Leia fleets, five Z's and a land speeder, no snipers. And uh, it was really effective to have both the land speeder and Luke on the table as threats, not transporting Luke, just having them as separate threats, especially in the rebel mirror, because, oh my gosh, does this thing reap souls when it attacks other rebel players? Um, it hits harder than, than double bikes and we knew, or hits harder than like two speeder bikes together. And we knew that speeder bikes attacking rebels out of cover was bad news because um, it was averaging four hits. Yeah, this thing averages five and not uncommon to just wipe a rebel squad off the table out of cover with the land speeder shooting but um yeah so i think i think going forward though i think running the han with the land speeder is probably great because han has reckless and han does need the positional help um having it on the table as a secondary threat alongside luke is excellent as well and of course um you know unless the sniper gets a crit 
You know, this thing doesn't really care about snipers. You know, it just doesn't care. It has no weak point, really. It has, like, cover two, armor two. So unless the sniper gets a natural crit, snipers can't hurt it. Yeah, you know? it's certainly less vulnerable to snipers than the tank is, for sure. Much less. Much less. So, I mean, to answer your question, you either run it as, like, a kind of primary armor threat damage dealer, or you run it as a secondary threat with resistant keywords that your opponent can't really handle. And are you, and very high and you're trying to damage. flank with this thing, basically. Absolutely trying to flank with it. You're also trying to break through with it because it's fast when it wants to be. So are you like are you typically obviously you have to take the compulsory move, but then are you ever moving after that or is it aim shoot as much as possible? Uh aim shoot as much as possible because your compulsory move will get you there anyway. The only time I think I ever willfully move with it is if I'm turning around. Um, or if there's three cases, I'm either turning around to attack something that I, I drove past, I'm pivoting to get the hard point on target if my compulsory move couldn't get me there, or I am deliberately double moving to break through or deposit a hero on a flank. But almost all the time, it's, it's, move, it's compulsory move aim shoot. Uh, it does also work a trigger on vehicles. There's builds that really do well against vehicles. You take the M45 and the uplink, I think, to do the recover thing. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like they took Bistan and turned him into a vehicle. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> because the M45 is literally yeah, it's the same dice pool as Bistan, yeah. right? Yeah, same keywords yeah. too. Same keywords too. It's it's like a, it's Bistan, but it's six more points. Yeah, with no extra wound. Well, it's um, on a much hardier platform. That's fair enough, yeah. Much hardier. Um, so that actually does really work against vehicles, especially with the A300 as well, because you're rolling, like, with the rocket launcher, you're rolling, like, black, two black, a red, and seven white into a vehicle at range at range three. You're going to get crits. Like, yeah. that's ten dice. I like the Bistan build just because... I think it being able to keep kind of keep the land speeder out at range four is pretty huge. I agree as well. I think that's another way that it's uh, very effectively used, especially with the cover pilot, just because it's you know got cover too, and so DLTs are doing nothing to it. Yep. All the only thing that can pen it at range four is natural crits or or the ATST, really. Yeah, or something like maximum firepower. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so let's see. What else do we have here? Um, oh yeah, there's the overhand <laughs> question. <laughs> so, so repulsor vehicles are in this interesting place. Uh, they used to be not allowed to overhang things. Um, you had to have the base completely on something. You couldn't hang any part of the base off a surface. Uh, now though, they changed it. Um, I think the rules says. Uh, when a unit performs a compulsory move, this is quoting from the rule, the latest rules reference, the bases of the minis in the unit, I guess they're accounting for speeder bikes, can partially overhang ledges as long as each mini is stable and not precariously placed. So that essentially means as long as it balances on a surface and is not going to like fall off, obviously, um, you can totally put it there and, it, and it's legal. Of course, the fallout of this now is that things are going to have trouble entering melee with you 
if your base is like hanging off the edge of something. Yeah, so um, we talked about this. Uh, you had a game with Nima, I think, in one of your RPQs where, um, you know, there were the, the uh, X-34 was overhanging and Luke could, you know, contact it physically with his model, but because the base wasn't on the table, he couldn't actually go base to base. Um, right. The, situ the situation was, was essentially that my land speeder was, like, half of it was on the ground and then the other side of it was... Um, stuck on the side of a cliff that it could ignore with with speeder one and the middle section was suspended in air and where luke wanted to go because he needed some range for force push and, and some other um positional considerations where he wanted to be his base could not touch my base and so then the question arose well if like luke is luke is like the model's like practically inside the base of this land speeder so one could Luke's base go underneath my base and therefore he would be quote unquote in base contact with it. And, and I think the answer was the rules as written don't support that. I think physical contact is the, is the bar. Unfortunately, I am inclined to agree. Yeah. And we actually, so I don't know how you guys ruled it there, but this came up and a lot of people were asking about it also in my game with Kingsley. Um, because I had Bosk on a small box, essentially, and there wasn't enough room physically to put another model next to him. Um, you know, but we discussed, uh, he was playing Sabine, and we discussed, actually, even before he, he moved Sabine, he's, you know, can Sabine melee him in this situation? And I was basically like, I think it's kind of stupid that she can't, so, um, you know, we'll agree that she should be able to. Um, so, you know, I think, I think rules is written, like, you have to actually be base to base. But personally, I think, you know, I think if you can stick your head up someone's ass, you should be able to melee them. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we, we ruled it the same way because I honestly, like, I, I knew that I could say no to Nima and that the rules as written would support me. But I knew that I did not want to gain the upper hand on him via that method because just looking at it it made no yeah, sense yeah it's at like all. luke is like hip thrusting your x34 and yet he can't hit it with his lightsaber you know yeah like like the like he was he was like like if i would try to compare it in real life terms i think he was less than two feet from the nose of this thing <laughs> like obviously he could hit it in melee come on yep. um but yeah rules is written um you know technically it's got to be base to base so we'll we'll see if We'll see if the overhang rule leads to any eventual changes on that, but um, at least at least at the moment. Yeah. So so your mileage may vary. Just if you're you're gonna use melee characters, just look out for that because that's something your opponent could do. I think is ultimately the lesson until we get some some dev clarification yep. on it. And as an X thirty four player, that's something you can do too. And um, I've seen similar abuse with the tank. If you can balance the tank where half of its base is hanging off a ledge, guess what? <laughs> yeah, screwed, you gotta buddy. go around the back or something, you know? Yep, exactly. Uh, and then, of course, you're in melee with a vehicle, so you're not engaged and everybody right. else can shoot you. <laughs> so it's yeah. even worse. <laughs> um, so you, you got anything else on the X-34? Oh, man. Well, there's plenty to read. In the guides that I have at Yavin-Based.blog, it's a series called Ground Sliding. So I think I go into pretty good depth about, you know, how to use the darn thing, apart from what we've talked about here. 
um we kind of covered some of the the more like uh hard to put into writing kind of things but i think for just general knowledge and information i think you should check out those three ground sliding articles the latest one is currently on reddit so you can look at it there and uh yeah uh slash r slash sw legion for the legion reddit um awesome so um let's move on to fighting like a rebel and uh this isn't necessarily going to be specific to rebels but at least the first part of it i want to just uh talk about briefly because um i feel like there's like this shorthand advice being thrown out um uh, and this has been since the beginning of the game really um about like how rebels need to quote unquote focus on objectives or focus on the mission um gotta complete the mission kyle right (laughs) and and like this uh, so i think i think it's it's uh first of all it's funny because this always seems to come from empire players this advice and it's like you know who are you to like tell rebels how to play but um (laughs) but uh also i think it's i think it's well-meaning uh but also like usually gets sort of taken out of context and oversimplified to imply that rebels can't kill things um which i think is just not true rebels are very good at killing things um but also you know most of the missions with the possible exception of recover supplies require you to kill things um pretty much everything even recovery, you're going to have a hard time winning if you're not killing anything. Um, but generally speaking, like almost every mission involves counting unit leaders. Uh, and you have six turns, usually, to reach a point where you need to count those unit leaders. Um, even intercept the transmissions, which has scoring on turns two and four. Um, if you have more unit leaders at the end of the game than your opponent at turn six, and you can score that middle objective then, uh, you can concede the first two scoring turns and usually still win. So. Um, which I do all the time uh, because um, we talked about this already last week, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's um, like the, the shorthand of focusing on objectives, I think, you know, like you need to kill things to actually win objectives for the most part. Uh, recover the supplies is really the only objective where you can like credibly steal a win and have almost all your stuff die still. Um, you know, moisture evaporators in a competitive game usually comes down to, uh, we use the shorthand at MOV a lot, but basically points killed um, because for the most part, each player has two quote unquote safe vaps. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it often ties on victory points, which means it goes straight to points killed. And then as mentioned, the other ones all involve counting you leaders at the end of the game. So you got to kill things. Um, but luckily, rebels are pretty good at killing things, at least in my opinion. That's what they do. Um, They're terrorists. That's the that's yeah. their bread and butter. The, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like they <laughs> get your AK forty sevens out. Come on. <laughs> so if I would say if rebels have a design philosophy, it's that they're fragile, but they also have extremely efficient attacks. Um, now, many of those attacks are short ranged. Right, fleet troopers are a good example. Fleet troopers are the most efficient unit in the game, besides an ATRT flamethrower for killing troopers. Right, I was just about to mention fleets. I think they're like, like you said, they're like the most offensively efficient unit. In now the game. they are range two, which is which is limiting, yeah, obviously. Um, oh, but yeah. uh, if you're, Limited yeah, is. 
Um, limited vis is good. Um, if you're playing with enough line of sight blockers, like we've previously stressed is necessary, um, you know, move them up, get them in position behind those line of sight blockers. Um, I personally love to use them with Luke because you can use force push to pull things around corners for them um, into standby or, you know, even do it before they stand by and just take a turn later to shoot them if it's a unit that's activated already. Um, you know, shorten that range too by bringing the enemy to you instead of the other way around. So um, you can use things like Reckless Diversion. Uh, you know, uh, Han is great with fleets because you can force your opponent to shoot at something other than the fleets. Something much less valuable. So, um, Strict Orders is good with fleets too because a lot of times they'll try to suppress you from out of your range to stop yep. you. And guess what? If you have a face-up and strict, yep. you don't care. Um, so yeah, just as a general concept, uh, you know, when you hear the phrase "focus on objectives," um, I mean, like that—that that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still try and kill stuff. Uh, yeah, whoever whoever <laughs> says that, I just imagine they have this like diabolical look on their face, and then in parenthesis it says, "So I can." Kill yeah, right. You. That's that's almost like that's almost like dark side <laughs> advice, right? Like you you're you're not powerful yeah, enough to yeah. confront me. You should just hide and hope to win by objectives. Right. That's, yeah, it doesn't yeah, work. Um, I mean, sometimes it works, but it definitely is not like yeah. a, a good a good plan to go into a game with. Um, and probably not very fun either. <laughs> um, no. So, yeah. Um, but let's talk about... So this kind of segues into the concept of like recognizing when the status quo favors you and when it doesn't, and the concept of beatdown versus control which uh, I think is a magic term, which actually I don't play. Um, but I know you do, Mike. So do you want to talk about those two terms real quick? Yeah, so generally speaking, um, when you're playing the beatdown, um, you have determined that you need to be like aggressively attacking. You're in the position to drive the game, right? Um, and you really need to kind of like, I don't know. In, in game terms, like it's, you know, you have to move up and make a play on on the objective, right? Or move up and make a play on killing your opponent's units. Um, it's probably, it's generally more likely unless you're playing recover the supplies. Um, in a control state, um, you're kind of just like looking to preserve the status quo. I've got three boxes on recover the supplies. They're all behind a line of sight blocker. I'm looking to, you know, not get murdered. Um, I've got my moisture vap sabotaged and i'm blue player so i'm gonna hide all my dudes and wait for you to come to me um those are example of like control situations and in in the on the opposite side of the fence um you know if you're red player and on vaps and you know you can't see the opponent you have to make an aggressive play you've got to be the beatdown. um and knowing and, and those are clearly like very um clear like pictures of when you are those things it's not you know in a game of breakthrough it's not really clear who the who the beatdown who the control player is um but what generally is evident is that you both can't be the beatdown player <laughs> some somebody should be in the driver's seat for kind of being aggressive and progressing the game along that's not to say that you should cease to be aggressive because killing your opponent's units is like always a good thing generally um but overall that's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about beatdown versus control 
Yeah, what's what's the what's the quote? If you're both jousting, one of you is wrong, which means that if if you're both being aggressive, one of you is uh, doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that like there are certain game modes where that that might not hold completely true. Um, like for instance, in breakthrough, sometimes you like really you need to like move forward and shoot, right? Yep. Um, but I will say, right. you know, um, a really good example of this was uh, in at the uh, lcq my my last game of the day was a breakthrough like empire mirror and i did nothing but double move my units that game pretty much <laughs> and it just i had eight units in the end zone at the end and a lot of them were like single trooper leaders but he'd spent so much time shooting at me shooting at my dudes that he just like he couldn't contest he couldn't get things into the breakthrough zone and in that situation um it kind of turned out that like he was acting as the control player when realistically he maybe should have been the beat down. So. Right. And control player doesn't always necessarily mean right. defensive either. Right. Like in that situation, I would argue you were the control player, even though you were moving up because you recognized, you know, that if you didn't kill enough of your units, you were going to have. Yeah. And I mean, like the, the analogy is not like as sound in Legion terms as it is. It in as it is in magic terms in the sense that like um, right like a beat down generally when you're on the beat down like you have a you've got a mono red deck and you're slinging lightning bolts at your opponent's face um but yeah i mean that's certainly true well and you can legion is an interesting example for this because you can also sort of tailor tailor your lists to be better at one of these two things right like I would say that a saboteur list is a control list uh, for the most part, because you're much better defensively. Um, you're much you're much better if you're already holding the cards and your opponent has to take them from yeah. you, right? Um, whereas something like, you know, uh, my sorry about the barbecue list with three flamethrower ATRTs, that's a beatdown list, um, because it's very good at getting your opponent in your opponent's face. Um, and not very good at staying in cover and uh, <laughs> making your enemy come to you. So, yeah, that list can't really play defensively because it's it's got a limited uh, <laughs> those RTs have a limited lifespan <laughs> because of the DLT, right? So, so yeah, you, no, but that's that right. that's the point though. Like you're you're trying to run 18 armor wounds in your opponent's face and be like, can you kill this? No, right. I win. Yep, essentially, that's a very simplified version of what's happening. But you know. Yeah, I mean, you're forcing the beatdown game state regardless of the objectives right. and regardless of the the battlefield conditions, right? Like your yeah. your your goal from the, the thing about that though is that a list like that can't flex, right? Right. Yep. Yes, um, it has one plan, and if that yeah. plan fails, I don't know and, what to do. <laughs> and I mean, not to go back to the idea of a meta, but the the lists that are like on meta are like very good at flexing between beatdown and control, right? Yep. You know, you've got pieces of them like Luke and Boba or Bosk or whatever. And those things are like very good at, oh, I need to be the beatdown. Okay, I'm the tip of the spear. I'm going in with my lightsaber and I'm going to chop stuff up, right? Um, and like the snipers and the core units tend to, you know, make up the kind of control element of those lists where like you're keeping your opponent in line and things are going to go the way I planned them to. And to in another extent, like Leia and Veers are like a large part of that yep. equation 
Yeah, both of those are actually excellent examples of control commanders, right? Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, you know, that's why those lists do so well, I think. And at least my play style is I prefer to be the control player. Um, so, you know, the lists that I talk about, like my Invader League list, that's why it's a support commander and a control commander and Veers, you know, uh, a flex play like Bosk and then six core and three snipers, um, all of which can flex. So, yeah. Um, all right. You guys got anything else on that one? Uh, I, I mean, I think just to kind of go back to the main sticking point here is you need to be able to identify like what role you need to play in yep. the game and when it is. Yep. Right. So, um, there, there's not really a hard and fast like if x then y um generally speaking if you're down on unit leaders you should be playing more aggressively um because you're probably losing yeah and you got to know what the end objective is and how you're gonna meet it you know when turn six comes yeah. around um, um but but yeah like developing the skill like sort of the vision to to be able to tell which which one you are and when uh, it takes a long time. You know, I, we've already, uh, so not my most recent game with Kingsley, but my high command game with Kingsley. Um, he was the control player and I was the beatdown player. And I thought I was, uh, I, I was acting like a control player. Um, and I needed to be, you know, it was key positions. His, uh, his cover was closer to the key position than mine. So all he had to do was basically wait. And then, you know, at the end of the game, rush the middle objective. Um, and it was on me to push him off of it before that happened and uh you know i needed to be doing that from turn one and i wasn't so um you know like that's a skill that takes a long time to develop um and uh you know it's not one that really anyone i don't think has mastered either but uh you just you know it helps to develop that vision to be able to tell when you need to be aggressive and, and when the status quo favors you and you just need to force your opponent into coming to you yeah i, I think it is good to note that um, there are two points of the game that you really need to consider um, your role. And that is, like, once condition cards, like, your you know, deployment yep. condition. And setup cards. And, yep. and your setup cards have been chosen. It's at that point you need to be like, okay, what am I? Because it, if, if you're the beatdown, you should be deploying very aggressively. Yep. And you should be deploying so that you can get places that you need to go. Um, the, the second kind of stage of the game where you need to consider that is when whoever determined they were the beatdown player accomplished the goal that made them feel like they needed to be the beatdown. So in the example that you gave, you know, had you identified that you were the beatdown player from turn one and taken that point from Kingsley, clearly at that point there's an inflection, right? And all of a sudden Kingsley needs to be the beatdown and he needs to take it from you. Right. Um, yep, and again, uh, Moisture Wraps uh, presents a very simple analogy here, right? Like, if you're a blue player, you start out as control, but if red player kills something before you do, suddenly the script flips, right? Yep. Um, so that's probably the best example overall is, is to like, you know, how to simply kind of look at it in game terms. Yep. It's not as clear on a on something like breakthrough or recover the surprise. Right. Yeah, it's definitely the cleanest example. Because you literally are you you go from 
winning to not winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you're not winning, you need to be the beatdown. Yep. All right. You guys got anything else to talk about? Eh. I mean, we have yeah. so we have a couple things that we've tabled for next week. Um, you know, you know what? I I have something I want to talk about. Okay. I want to talk about contrast paints. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. So because holy hell, they look. Oh yeah. Dope. And I'd like to say Ooh. they're sold out pretty much. They are. And, so and I'm a little bit miffed. So this is actually a good segue because we we uh, we've decided that we want to start doing a hobby segment. Um. Because I love hobbying. Uh, I've talked in the past about how much I love airbrushing because it's like dark magic. Um, and I think contrast paints have, I mean, like just looking at the pictures that have been floating around the internet, um, it's like some kind of sorcery, you know? I mean, basically GW claims that you can spray on an undercoat and then just kind of slop this contrast paint on there. And it does this kind of magic thing where you get like contours and shading and stuff all at once. Yeah, it kind of I mean, looks like that's exactly what happens. Yeah, it, it looks really good. Somebody posted like an example of somebody did like forty of the same base, um, and it had like stuff on it, so you could like see the contour, and and it worked pretty well. I mean, I gotta say, for um, people that like you know like to play lay space brains of stormtroopers, um, you know, it uh, translates pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, there was there. They do have some whitish colors, some off whites and stuff that'll work for stormtroopers. So, you know, if you got to paint thirty stormtroopers, um, which I'd recommend, because uh, you know, I like lots of stormtroopers. Um, or maybe some clone troopers or battle yeah, droids. Battle yeah, battle droids. I mean, when you're gonna have to paint like, uh, what's eight times six? Forty-eight battle droids. Um, Forty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, Tan contrast. Hey man, go. that's that's just <laughs> your core options. <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't include the whatever else is happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, uh, I am actually super looking forward to those because um, of hard plastic. Uh, and I, I mean, posing and stuff. Yeah, I I really just work. I'm I'm hoping to all hope that we can eventually put like Darth Maul on the table. That's when that's when I start playing that army for real. <laughs> nice. yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. So, uh, so yeah, contrast paints. Well, we're, I want to try them out myself, you know, for science. Um, and, uh, and we can talk about how to use them and whoa, is somebody being murdered? Someone is screaming outside my house. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on, but I don't know. Should they, I go check? Uh, I think maybe they were just that excited about contrast paints. I, I honestly think it was just like a little kid <laughs> screaming in joy. Um, but, you know, that's yeah. what it sounded like. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about airbrushing too, uh, maybe next week, but there's tons of things to hit with that too. But yeah, check out those contrast paints. She's getting a set of contrast paints. There you go. For there you go. Yeah. Ta-da. Um, all, right. all right. I do. There's one more thing I want to, I want to briefly plug um, since you're plugging your X 34 articles there, David um, is my, oh, yeah. uh, uh, so I know I have been slacking on the unit guides recently, but um, up still on never tell me the odds is um, basically a, I call it the damage calculator, but it's essentially like an attack pool simulator tool. 
Um, you can put in like all the dice and stuff from an attack, other variables, cover, dodge, pierce, um, you know, pretty much anything you can think of. Um, and it'll spit out like a report that gives you all kinds of things, including, um, you know, average wound numbers and probabilities of various outcomes, uh, based on the defender and all that. Um, so yeah, if you, uh, you know, I don't have an X34 article up, obviously David does, but, um, if you want to know about like those three of them, <laughs> three yeah. of them. But if, if you want to know about <laughs> yeah, those uh, multicolor rainbow multi-dice dice pools and see how they do against various targets, you can throw them up on there and check it out. Um, so I will say also it's obviously there to be downloaded uh, for anyone. Um, it's available to the public and it's there to be used, which is why it's there. But um, if you do use it for like an article or something, uh, if you could just link me um, and cite it, that'd be great. So Link me, brah. Link me, um, link me, bro. I will say that my favorite and favorite use of that tool thus far is to fact check. Um, oh man, I got I got like schooled by luck, you know. Yeah. Um, because there's been a significant number of times where I'm like, man, that sucks. That's never gonna happen again. And then I put it in the calculator. I'm like, eh, maybe it's gonna. <laughs> yeah that's a good that's a good use of it um so there's a lot there's lots of use of it. Yeah. maybe we can talk about um expectations and managing tilt a little bit maybe that's another good managing topic tilt that is a good one well since we are yeah competitive we'll, have focus. To, we'll have to put that on the uh we'll have to put that on the list well you'd have yeah, to you'd like have to put that in there later watch your like salt intake right <laughs> oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, Mike. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you can have some potatoes. Maybe. Uh, maybe yeah. in Syracuse. Yeah. All right. So hang on. Seriously, I know we're like wrapping up, but how is a salt potato actually just different than a baked potato with salt on it? Okay, so a salt potato is literally It's bad at playing bubbles. <laughs> Yikes! All right. Um, I did not make that joke. I just want to be clear. Um, <laughs> so uh, you have a baked potato, which is actually like baked in the oven, and then you put like salt on it with like a salt shaker, right? Uh, a salt potato is a potato with essentially no salt on it that is cooked in a vat of salt water. So this it's like literally infused with salt. Yes, that kind of sounds delicious. It's great. Lie. You you cut it open, you just put a little bit of butter on it, and you're done. You don't need all the extra trimmings that like normal baked potatoes do. It's just salt potato, little bit of like molten butter, good to go. All right, there you go. That's why I'm going to Northeast Open salt potato. It's also like yep, the cheapest 100%. meal on the face of the planet. Oh, I bet. Heck yeah. Cheap yep. and good. So we like cheap and good. Yeah. Both for uh, lunch and for units in Legion. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, look at looking at you, Fleet Troopers. I like my six to seven points. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I actually prefer the sixty-nine point version with recon intel. But that's oh, just me. Okay, getting getting fancy there. Yep. Um, all right. Should we close this? Uh, should we land this plane here? Yeah. All right. I am uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. And we are the Notorious Scoundrels. See you next week. Join us next week for another episode of the Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. Fifth